thanks. <laughs> so tonight we're looking at vision, which is what Phil said is our top, was our topic we were given. And I wanted to hone in specifically on our spiritual vision, um, personally. And uh, vision can be used as a word to describe like, your, whole, your whole eyesight as a whole. And you can have, and it can also be, you know, you can have good vision, 2020 vision, or you can have bad vision. And actually, um, not everybody's vision is as clear as others. And uh, I have a bit of a story about this, is that mine is not always as clear as others. And um, at the age of almost 20, I haven't quite uh, grasped motor vehicle skills yet. So I haven't quite passed my driving test. <laughs> I'm working on it, um, but slowly, gradually. So I, uh, I'm still taking driving lessons. And I had uh, a new instructor the other day. He took me out on my first lesson to see kind of where I was at. And uh, it was fine, sort of, mostly. Um, <laughs> got back into the barn, uh, Bidford Church's car park, and he's, we stop, and he, go, and he looks at me, and he goes, oh, I didn't do a sight test with you to test you know, how far away you can read a number plate. And I was like, oh, okay. He goes, well, we'll do it now. So we get out of the car, and we go around to the back of the car, and um, he points to a car right across the car park, and he says, okay, read, read that number plate. So red Toyota Yaris, and little did he know that it was John's car, and that I already knew the number plate because we, we were talking about it the other day, and it's kind of funny because it's JHV, John Hudson's vehicle. Anyway, so he asks me, and I was like, oh, yeah, uh, DHL, JHV. And he was like, oh, very impressive. You didn't even, you know, need to squint. It was a little blurry. I mean, <laughs> not too bad. Um, so I didn't lie as such, but I just nodded along. And um, yes, but don't worry, I, I, have, I have now got driving glasses. That I, <laughs> I went to the opticians this week and got some glasses. And so uh, if you meet me on the road, you may be safe. <laughs> don't actually, can't actually confirm that one. But like I said, not everybody's vision is as clear as others. And uh, I think it works both physically and spiritually. And that's what I want to look at tonight. Uh, as Christians, I believe that we should all have a clear spiritual vision. And people can make it a lot more complicated than it's supposed to be, I think. Um, the Bible is full of God, the Trinity, addressing this in our lives, addressing our vision. And we're going to look at that in the passages tonight. And through these passages, we're going to see that the spiritual vision for these people, we've got Moses and, and Simon Peter and Paul, and Nehemiah, and, and I believe for all of us too, I think it comes out of three things, and that's what I'm going to talk about tonight. Uh, I've got, it comes out of commands, commands what God wants us to do and obey for him, calling, where we're going to step out and go in the name of Jesus, and my third one is promises, the constant promises from God that continually come alongside these two, and that back up the commands and the calling that we've been given. And I believe that the promises are the ultimate truth that set alive the commands and the calling. So, in Paul's idea of a uh, recap of his vision in Acts 26, when the Lord appears to him on the road to Damascus, it says, I'm going to pick it up from verse 16, when God is meeting with him. Now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen and what you will see of me. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them to open their eyes and to turn them from the darkness to the light, 
from the power of Satan to God, so that you may receive forgiveness of sins and place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So then, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven. Yes, Paul did get a physical vision in front of him. I think like the Bible tells that pretty well. It's flashing lights and booming voice, and it's very, very clear. But I think it's, it's more of a vision of what, it, what is to come for Paul. And I think he feels that too. He's, he's given commands. He's uh, called to go out for Jesus. And to, he's given his commands that he will, he will go to the people who he's been persecuting. He's called. This is going to be your life, Paul. And he says, you know, I'm not going to be disobedient to this. But it also comes from a place of truth. Jesus says, I, you know, I, the whole I am sending you. I will rescue you from Jesus Christ by his side creates the ability to do it all. His source for all is right there in that promise. When he mentions vision from heaven in verse 19, yes, he might be describing this physical thing that came down and interrupted his nice walk to Damascus. But he's also talking about like an eye-opening, like illumination of what God has for him during his conversion. And I think it comes out of those three things. So we're going to look at that further. Similarly to Paul on the road to Damascus, the fisherman that Phil read in Luke are called and given commandments. Jesus had been there teaching, and uh, he says to them, he says to, to, to put out into deep water and to change the nets. And, they, and it's like, they're looking at him and say, like, no, 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 you're, 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 I would be looking at him and be like, you're not the expert here. I'm an expert fisherman. This is, this is, this, I've got this. But they look at him and he says, turn, turn the nets the other way. Go out into deep water. And Simon obeys his commands. It says, just because he said so. Even though Simon probably thought he knew best. It's a small command. Go out again. Go out one more time. But just because he said so... He did it, and vision has, this, vision has to submit to God's will. Only through, obeying, only through then obeying that did Jesus go on to reveal their calling. Their calling. In verse 8, after a multitude of fish have been caught, Simon falls to his knees in anguish at his sinful nature. And Jesus says, do not be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled up their boats on shore, left everything, and followed him. Their calling. Will, you will be fishers of men. This is done. It's, this is your calling. And they follow him. They say, yeah. They give it all up. And I read this and I was thinking, like, well, where's the promise in this? Where's, where's that, you know? And, and, it, and it started, like, jumped out on the page to me. And it says, they left everything and followed him. They, didn't, they weren't, didn't go and follow somebody else. Jesus wasn't like, okay, you're going to be fishers of men. Go and follow that guy. He's, he's doing a good, good job. They didn't, he didn't say, oh, you're going to be fishers of men. Off you go. Have fun. No, they, they left everything to follow him. And the promise is in that. They were not on their own. In the truth that is Jesus Christ, they found their calling. They followed him. Therefore, you know, you've got, you've got commandments, you've got calling, and you've got trust in the one person whose promises are true. 
gives them their vision. It bursts forth. More vision than they, they had ever had in their lives before. Phil asked me the other day, funny conversation, don't really know how it came about. He asked me if, uh, if, I, if God told me the man I was going to marry, if he pointed him out to me somewhere, and I didn't like him or agree, I was like, oh, uh, what, what would I do? He said, what would you do if God, if you knew, like, certain that God was saying, this is the guy you're going to marry, and, but you didn't, you didn't agree, or you didn't feel the same way, or what, what would you do? And I sat there like, oh, I don't know, probably freak out. But <laughs> I came out with this lovely answer. I thought about it for a while. And I was like, well, Phil, I would wait, I would trust, and I would know that what God has in store for me when I'm abiding with his, his faithfulness in his, in his commandment to marry this man would be more than I could ever have imagined in the first place. I would hope that I would rest in the knowledge that my understanding was very little and that God had it all in hand. You see, it's because he commands for a reason. He commands for a reason which guides our course on, on a calling with a promise that he will bring all things to good towards his vision for each individual and for mankind. So in one of the questions is that I was thinking to myself, why don't you just have com commands and calling? Like we all know that God commands people and we're called and it's a vision, you know, we're going to do this for the rest of our life, I'm going to be in this ministry and woo. Why do we need the promises bit? Why, why promises? Why not just commands and calling and go for it? The Lord's promises illustrate our future. All through the Bible, we see people relying on the faithful promises of God. The Old Testament is absolutely rammed with people and leaders trusting in the Abrahamic covenant that the Lord will get them to the promised land. They were commanded for God. They did, they did things day to day. They followed the commandments for God. They were given a calling, some of them to do this, some of them to do that. But the promise... The promise tied it up into an actual vision, trusting in that promise that shines like the star for the wise men, like the promise was where they were going to go, the promised land, and the star sh guides them. In Nehemiah's morning in chapter one, here's Nehemiah. He, is, he feels a calling to go and restore Jerusalem, to go, he's, he's He's mourning the fact that it is destroyed. But he also reminds of the instructions given by God to Moses. And so he says, Remember the instructions you gave to your servant Moses, this is in verse 8, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for your name. This is Nehemiah saying to God, remember your promise to Moses? Remember you said you'd do that? Nehemiah is going back to a promise. He returns to the promise that he believes the Lord will keep true. Again, we are seeing that tied up in the Lord's vision for the Lord's people are true, true, true promises that illustrate what God will do along the way. 
It's the same in Exodus chapter 3 at the burning bush that we read earlier. God commands Moses. He commands him to go to Pharaoh, to go to Pharaoh to, to let the Israelites free. He gives him commands on how to do this. It is his calling that he will bring them out of Egypt and he will, eventually they'll get to this mountain and you, you will be worshipping on this mountain. And then Moses starts to question. And he's questioning and he's saying, you know, God, am I the man for this? Or uh, how do I do this? What do I say if they say this? God then promises. He's always promising. Moses, I will be with you. Moses, I am who I am. Moses, this is my name that will be spread without, uh, spoken throughout all the generations to generation to generation. They had talked extensively about the next part of vision for Moses, what he was to do, where he was to bring them. But it does not come without a surefire promise that God will be with him. That Moses cannot say no to. So, his exact detailed vision for us cannot be fully grasped. It would be ludicrous to imagine so. We'd blow our minds. <laughs> but we can glimpse his vision for mankind in his commandments, in his calling, and in his promises. There's a misfortune, I feel, that a trap of trying, of trying to, to make spiritual vision too complicated as a Christian, when you accept Jesus into your life, you start to learn about him and what he teaches, what he commands in the Bible, what he, what he wants us to do, the promises he makes. That's the best lesson in vision right there. Like, he's telling us all. And so it's all like, you know, do I have 2020 spiritual vision? What should that look like? And how clear is mine? And I, you know, things are getting in the way. But yes, not everybody's as clear as others. It can easily get blurred. We know that. But as Christians, we do have a clear vision, always, whether you like it or not. It's not about knowing the next specific earthly steps. In fact, we need to almost take a step back sometimes and stop looking at the details and trying to work out some sort of plan. Because I think that we can have full spiritual vision without knowing that. And ultimately, I think it holds itself in this. Put out the palm of your hand. I'm going to be like Kingdom Kids, 5 to 11-year-olds. This is how I do it. Put out the palm of your hand. I think it holds itself in this. We are a child in the center of his hand. We are. We are called to obey his commands. We are therefore commissioned to do his work, whether we, whether we like it or not, we're commissioned to do his work. It is our calling. But in his good promises, there is the truth that he is everything we will ever need and the source for all and all the truth that we ever need to back up anything, including the final truth, that in him we have eternal life.
And I think that is the spiritual vision that we have to keep hold of. Just going to lead us in prayer. Dear Lord, I just thank you that you are our God and that you are absolutely amazing. We've been seeing how much we love you tonight. I just pray that we keep our eyes fixed on you and not let looking for details and looking for plans get in the way of our ultimate vision in Jesus Christ. I pray that we get in line with your commands, Jesus, and in any place that we're not, that just highlight it and, and give us the power and the strength to do so, get in line with the commands that we need to. I also pray that we are open and we hear and we remember your calling on our lives, whether that's our commission, our great commission, as the Bible says so, or whether it's a specific calling. Help us to remember that, Jesus. And finally, let us always trust in your promises. Always remember that they have the power to set alive anything we are doing in your name. Father, I just thank you for tonight, and I pray that a blessing onto John and Callum as they come and speak. I just thank you so much for them and their hearts. And just pray for your people here tonight. Let your will be done. Not, do not let anybody leave without being touched by the word of God in some way. Amen.